Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Midweek Mailbag Post-Detroit Lions 2023 Draft Edition. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. With me, as always, to answer all of the questions you may have, and there are certainly a lot this week, (laughs) is the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, is the machine, is Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Buddy, how are we feeling, what, four days after the draft? Tired. (laughs) Still tired. Not energized uh, by these new eight players? Well, you know, I'm still trying to work through, like, because it's not just eight. Like, those UDFA guys are coming in, too. Those are exciting. Unofficially. Um, Unofficially, yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah. I mean, it's always exciting to add new talent and uh, try and figure out where they fit and uh, learn more about these this influx of new talent. Yeah, to me, and that's that's this is my favorite part personally of the offseason is now that we have all the puzzle pieces, we put them together, we find out more mm-hmm. about them, and and we we evaluate what we thought about this draft and and what we know now about this draft and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we're going to do that now for the next thirty to forty five minutes, answering your lines questions. As always, you can send them to us on Twitter using the hashtag AskPod, or you can join us live here on our Twitch channel, Twitch.tv/slash Pride of Detroit, twelve thirty p.m. Eastern every Wednesday. Uh, but let's jump to it. Uh, Josh Brink at Josh Brink 89 on Twitter asks, how much scheme versatility do you think Gibbs and Laporta unlock for Ben Johnson? We saw things like St. Brown lining up in the backfield occasionally last year. Do you think we see more stuff like that with Gibbs in the slot question mark? Yeah, I think Gibbs certainly unlocks even more uh, position versatility than, than what we saw last year with Swift. Um, That being said, Swift had a pretty good amount of things he could do, and they didn't always tap into that. So um, you've given Ben Johnson this multifaceted player, and uh, how much will he lean on that? How much will he want to deviate from, you know, what's been working? That's, I think, you know, uh, to be determined. But he definitely has the, you know, ability to be a lot more creative. Laporta, I think, is just a a straight upgrade. Like, I don't think he's going to change a whole lot of what he does with the tight end. He's just going to be able to do it at a higher rate, more efficient. Um, And in the end, that's, I think, more about just making the overall uh, pass-catching options better, right? Whereas Gibbs, I think, is full-on, let's see what we can do with him. Yeah. I think the coaches did mention, I think, or Brad Holmes, at least it mentioned with both players, like versatility is huge with them, right? Laporta can be in line. He can be out wide. He can be slot. He can be backfield. 
Um, you, you can put that guy anywhere. And I think, I think they will. And but, I mean, we've seen that before. That's not, that's not necessarily anything new. They, they tried a lot of that stuff with Hawkinson. A lot of it did work. Some of it didn't work. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think their versatility of both of these players, um, play in, but that's, that's more positional versatility than I think schematic versatility, right? Not, not that there's, sure. I mean, it's a thin line between the two. They're, they're, they're interchangeable in some ways, but I don't know the way, the way they're excited about Gibbs. To me, I think I think they are going to be a lot more open to using him everywhere than they were Swift. Remember, I mean, Swift wasn't their guy. Yeah, they they mm-hmm. believed in him, um, but he wasn't their draft pick. He wasn't brought up in their image like Gibbs was. And the way they talk about him, the way Brad Holmes says, we don't just view him as a running back. Um, I I, th- I like I do think this is a guy who they plan on getting at least a receiving type of production on the same levels mm-hmm. that Christian McCaffrey and the same level that Alvin Kamara get. We're talking 70 to 80 passes year one. That's the ideal. I don't know. I'm not sure if he gets mm-hmm. there, but that's, that's the ideal. I mean, you, you certainly think that that's attainable, yeah. right? Based, based on Gibbs skill set, uh, based on the background of coaches. Right. Uh, you even think back to last year when, uh, Swift was talking about wanting to go a thousand and a thousand, right? right? right. Like if, if, if your back is talking about trying to double dip, uh, in that range, then that's been discussed, right? right? Like Ben Johnson has probably brought that up and said, look, if we maximize your potential, this is what we can do. So I think you can apply that same logic to, to Gibbs and say, man, if you are hitting right, that thousand thousand could be potentially attainable. Now, I don't think, I mean, again, you're not going to put those expectations, right. You're not going to put those expectations on a rookie. Um, But, you know, as that, that's where his ceiling is. He's not going to step on the field day one and hit and be at his ceiling. You know what I mean? He's just, it's just not how it works. Um, But he does give them options. Um, Like I said, Swift wasn't always available either. And so that's, Part of maybe why Ben Johnson was right. maybe a bit more hesitant to to get Swift involved in uh, other ways, sure. whereas maybe he he might not be as hesitant with with Gibbs. Look, there's there's two things that tell you how teams view players: one, how much they're how much money they're willing to give them, and two, how they acquire them. Right. You don't take a player at twelve. If he's not going to be a feature player, a foundational player on what you build your offense around. So, yeah, uh, the, the potential is there. We we need to see. Uh, and, and I, I, I think both Gibbs and Ben Johnson are perfectly capable to get very creative. Um, Nate Simmons at what Simmons says on Twitter uh, asks, could you talk about the specific role Gibbs will play on offense as well as what Jack Campbell's role will look like on defense? What do they do best? Um, stick with Gibbs here just for a second. And I want to, we, since we kind of addressed that question, the, the other half of the question, I think, um, is David Montgomery. You just spent six mm-hmm. million a year on him. Is there any concern that now you have taken load off of his shoulders and you have now overspent uh, for your RB2? No, I, I mean, I think Montgomery is going to be the, the, the starter like the yeah. technical starter, yes. right? And I think Montgomery is going to be the guy that is going to get the ball like the first series, right. you know, and, 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 
And if they split series, he's going to be more of your early down. And but I, I don't I don't think they're necessarily going to fall like that stringent. I think they're just going to start platooning these guys. Um, but I do think Montgomery is going to be heavily involved. Um, and I think Gibbs is going to be slowly introduced. You know what I mean? Sure. If we look at the Alvin Kamara blueprint, you know, like where he came into the league, he had Mark Ingram with him. Like I kind of look at that in a similar way. Like 100%. Gibbs is that long-term talent that in year three should be like the starter, like the unquestioned starter, but he's got a, he's, he still has some de- a little bit of developing to do and he still, you know, can build to that. But Montgomery is your Ingram. He's your guy that can carry the load. He's proven it. You're, you're paying him a hefty portion of his salary in the first two years. And so you kind of can see where it goes, but you need that stability at the position in order to accomplish what they want to accomplish on offense. Montgomery gives them that Gibbs builds towards that. And so I think Montgomery is still going to have a really significant role. Yeah. I think, you know, if we flash forward a year, Montgomery has probably a pretty good chance to lead this team in rushing attempts but Gibbs probably will out touch him, right? When you when you it's throw, possible, I, it I think depends. That, yeah, how they I, how they want to distribute it. Yeah, and I mean that that is the Elvin Kamara setup. It's like Kamara, yeah he he didn't get as many carries, and that's fine because I don't think Gibbs is the between the tackles rusher that that you want in some instances that you want on early downs and some late downs. Not to say he can't run between the tackles, he can, but like a gap b gap stuff, not his game. Um, and that's not, that's not a problem, right? If you like some of the things he did at Alabama was best when it was a stretch zone place, right? It's like, he's rushing it outside and then he'll, you know, take a foot inside and then accelerate and he's gone. Um, but you need, you need both those things. You need, you need to have, you want both those things. They clearly want both those things. Um, there's very few amount of running backs that can give you both the between the tackles grittiness and the outside zone speed. And so the lines are fine splitting those duties up with two guys who are both very good in those individual roles. Now you could argue that they're spending a little bit too much on, on those resources. I would maybe argue that, but it's what they want to do. And now they have two guys that are kind of prototypical guys in those roles, I, I would say. And, and that, that has value. Um, but let's, let's move over to Jack Campbell because um, obviously he, um, Brad Holmes had mentioned both him and Gibbs as guys that he believes contribute today, like contribute right now. These aren't down the line picks. And I don't think necessarily he consciously made two picks that he wanted to start on day one, but that's just how it worked out. Um, what, what is it? What is his day one role look to you? Is he a three down linebacker right away? Does he take the green dot right away? Who takes yeah, Who takes a, a load off their shoulders and maybe goes more on special teams or, or comes off the bench? What, what is it? What is the line's depth chart at linebacker look like to you now? Yeah, it's it's totally projection here, right? It's just yeah. based on again when you look at what they're saying, when you look at the fact that they used to pick eighteen on him, um, it sure looks like he's a guy who's going to be a, a projected starter. And if he's the starter, his best spot is the mic, and and that's where he's going to be. I think the most effective, and I also think that's where his long term role is. Like you're yeah. you're take if you're taking a linebacker in the first round, you're putting him dead middle of your defense, and you're saying this is where you're going to be for the next half decade, and let's just see what you can do. Like we're gonna we're gonna count on you to be able to hold it down, and so 
you have Anzalone, who you just gave a three-year contract to, when which and he's probably going to be on the team for at least two of those years, right? Um, and he's your former captain. He's uh, multiple-year captain, multiple-year Green Dot guy. But you you saw them starting to move away from the green dot with him a little bit, trying to introduce it into other guys last year. Yeah. I think they're good. They'll, they'll take a similar approach right. where they're going to like test some other guys out with that green dot to see what they can do at the end of the day. My assumption is based on the fact that the, whoever's wearing the green dot is someone who needs to thoroughly understand the offense is that it stays with Anzalone. Yep. And then eventually it'll get passed over to Campbell. Uh, but for now, I, I do expect it to be Anzalone, which means those are your starters, right? It's yeah. going to, unfortunately, that means Malcolm's probably going to the bench. Um, but the way that they utilize their linebackers is they introduce that third guy in for a variety of different reasons to give rest to their starters. They don't try and run their starters a hundred percent of the time if they don't have to. And so I could see a situation where they run Campbell 75% of defensive snaps and Salone 75% and Malcolm 50. Yeah. And they just kind of shift the, between the two because Anzalone has been the mic the last two years, but he has history as like a will. He probably fits the will a little bit better. I think Malcolm's more strictly into the will but Anzalone's flexibility to play the the mic uh, part of the time is going to help alleviate some of those concerns. Um, so I still think those three guys are going to be their you know their primary options, and then you can sprinkle Derek Barnes in here and there, and maybe you can get a little bit more creativity with out of, out of Derek Barnes. You, know, you can use him at like in Sam roles and stuff like that. To uh, but I yeah I do I do expect um, my kind of projection is is uh, with the rookie getting the start at the mic. Yeah, I, th I think I'm with you. I, I think it might take a little bit longer for him to to assume mic roles. And and the one thing that we heard um, from Kelvin Shepard is that they cross-train everyone. Everyone's going to get cross-trained. That's not anything new, um, but that's going to be the case with Jack Campbell too. He's going to have to learn all the linebacker roles. And so I think I think they might start him not on the inside. I think they might start him on, on, on the will and, and, and slowly introduce you. For the same reasons you said that they're not going to give him the, the green dot. It's just like, Easy into the role. Like you don't need to be the quarterback right away. We that is where you're headed. I mean, everything you read about mm -hmm. Jack Campbell, everything you see about Jack Campbell is like he's a leader, he's smart, he understands concepts, he understands mm -hmm. reading quarterback's eyes, all that sort of stuff. He'll get there. And probably sooner rather than later. I just don't know. I mean, they they trust Anzalone so much too. And I I, I can't really shake that feeling that like, okay, we have our veteran. Let's let him mentor for a while before we throw this guy to the wolves, especially. I mean. This team needs to get off to a hot start this year. They can't go 0-6, and not that they are going to go 0-6 to start the season, but um, I don't think they want to risk anything to start the season um, to, to jeopardize anything that happens in, in the season where they are clearly trying to contend. Um, the only other thing I would say is I do find it interesting reading a lot of scouting reports, and, and I was reading a lot of Bob McGinn's um, you know, uh, anonymous scout stuff that um, that he posted on, on go long. And a lot of the, a lot of people thought Jack Campbell is maybe just a two down guy. And clearly the lines don't see, think the same, right? right? They, you don't take a 18 right. overall. Um, but it's kind of an interesting thing to think about because we, we've talked about this a little bit already, Eric, the, the athleticism with him, right? It's mm -hmm. 
you see it on the Raz card. You see you see the the forty times and all that sort of stuff. But some people don't see it up there on the film, whether it's a slow reaction time or just you know maybe they just don't see the sideline to sideline speed that 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 the forty times and and the the three cone um, all all seem to signify. So. Um, I, what's your concern level there? Um, again, like, I, th- I think we both are in agreement that the lines don't see it this way, but what about you? Mm. Yeah, for me, I think it's, it's, it's down to getting him experience to increase his reaction time so that he sees things a little faster. And when he sees things faster, he can then lean on the athleticism a little bit more because when he sees it, he can move, but, um, he's got to be able to see it, you know, to be able to react faster yeah um he's still going to be productive i mean he's still going to be productive like like he's he's one of the most productive uh linebackers in in the last hour however long you know like in in the big 10 in a a while in one of the best iowa linebackers in a a long while as well and so um he's going to be a guy who goes out and might have 10 tackles like every single game, like the right. whole season. Like right. honestly, like he's 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 that level of productive, but s- stats don't always translate to like that high watermark, that high ceiling. And so for him to reach his potential, it just becomes a matter of gaining experience. And 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 I I do kind of expect them to throw them, throw him like right into the wolves. Yeah, it's possible. Um, all right. Paper line 79 at DJF seven, nine, four on Twitter asks with Brad's track record in later rounds, why did we trade so much draft capital to move up and draft Martin in the third round? Wouldn't it make more sense to let Brad cook with those picks? Well, obviously with, with like Martin and uh Sorsdahl, uh, those were guys that were under the radar that not a lot of people had learned about, or, you know, like a, not a lot of national analysts haven't, talked a ton about there there have been champions though who have liked them uh and promoted them and and and, and said these guys are going to be like your sleepers um so the lions must have viewed them as a player that's like a difference maker yeah or they or they're not going to make the move to get these guys that you know were you know projected a little bit uh you know lower on on, on a lot of like consensus boards and stuff like that. So, so I think the lions, it's so strange because everyone says defensive tackle was such a massive need. They have to use the top 100 pick on a defensive tackle. Everyone loves sleeper picks. Everyone loves getting the guy that nobody knows. Well, here you go. You got a top 100 defensive tackle and you got a sleeper all mixed in one, but because people don't know about him, everybody's like, I don't know. I don't like it. Right. And so like, it's, we ha- this is a situation where the fans have said, leading up to the draft for four months, I trust Brad Holmes to make the right decision. <laughs> well, here's a decision that he made. And I I don't know a ton about Martin. Sure. Um, that's I just I can't get I can't study everybody. Um, so I don't know a ton about him. Uh, I thought it was a little bit unusual to sure. make a guy like I had uh Ika rated higher, way high up on the board. And Ika went two picks after him. Right. But they obviously viewed him as a better talent than Ika, or they would have took him, right? So we 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 watch Brad Holmes address the top 100 pick with clearly the biggest need, added a sleeper that everyone loves, 
and we all trust Brad Holmes, yet the result is why is why did he do this? This was terrible. Like there was yeah. a re- like it's there's it's 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 so counterintuitive. Like I I I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. Right. If you look at him, um, his size. Like first of all, he's massive. he's massive. Long arms. He is. He's just massive. He, yes, long arms, big body. Like he he's like what what was he like three thirty five or something like that? Something but like that. you when you look at him because he's like six five. He does not look 335. He looks like <laughs> he's like a 295, like DN type of yeah. like he's not overweight. He he doesn't have excess like unnecessary body fat or anything like that. Like he's just a big boy. And so he's one of these guys where I'm gonna need to see him in person before I can like ascertain where he could go. Yeah. This is one of those things where we have to fall back on what everyone has said all off season and hope that Brad Holmes, you know, he's, yeah. he's hit on these days. He's hit on day you know, three guys before he thinks this guy's better than one of those day three guys that he hit on. Why not let him, you know, let's see what he can, let's see what happens with this guy. Yeah. There's a couple things here. One, I, I have no interest in playing the, well, they could have gotten him later game because no one knows whether that's true or not. No one. And and so, yeah, he wasn't on Dane Brewer's board. Yeah, he wasn't on Darren and Jeremiah. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, the Lions have their own intel. They have their own feelings. And maybe they don't mm-hmm. even care. Like, maybe they just have so much resolve about this guy that they don't want to risk it. And listen, a guy coming from a small, like, I think part, part of what adds to the anxiety is, you know, small school guy takes a lot of projection. So you're taking you're you're taking a big swing here. There, there's no doubt, right? You're spending three draft picks on on a, on a guy that, hasn't had a, a high level of competition. Um, some would argue maybe nose tackle isn't even worth a third round pick, which I, you know, to the Lions, I think it is, um, especially if you hit on it. And then like with the lean, like, like with the lean. <laughs> and then the other thing, the, the other point that the paper Lions was trying to make here is like, well, you're getting rid of all these day three picks that you're so good at. Every draft class is different. And yeah. one thing that I consistently heard about this draft class is that it's not particularly deep. And so if you are packaging day three picks to get one of the last guys on a certain tier, I'm okay with that. I, I I don't, I don't think we should really get used to the norm of Brad Holmes getting starters in the sixth and seventh round. That is not normal. That is it. And, and it also probably speaks to the level of talent that the Lions had before. I mean, we're all counting Malcolm Rodriguez as a hit in day three and the Lions just got a guy to upgrade him because they didn't think he was good enough. So maybe that just speaks more to what the team was like before than necessarily Brad Holmes being this wizard genius of of landing guys in, in on day three. Not to take anything away from Malcolm, like he's still going to be a contributor. He's you can still feel somewhat comfortable if there's an injury that Malcolm can come in and and be a smart good player. But I think this whole idea that Brad Holmes just give Brad Holmes all of the fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks and he's going to pull out three starters. <laughs> Those days are over. And that's a good thing. And it <laughs> says nothing about Brad Holmes himself. It says more of like, okay, if this team wants to add starting level talent, guys that can contribute in day one, they better jump into the day one or day two to do it. It's interesting because when you go back and you look at all the trades that he made, yeah. It was mostly just, it, it was all about positioning, right? Like he was trying to trade back initially to just gain as much capital as he could so that he could stay in the game. And then once he got that, 
then he could use that to trade up and get branch. Right. right. Um, then he's like, I need more capital. So I'm going to trade down not once, but twice right. because I think I can and then still land uh, Hendon Hooker. So I'm going to trade down a couple of times and get multiple draft picks because I know that if I want Martin, he's not going to be there in the fifth. And that's my highest pick. So now I got to get a fourth. Yep. So I got, I got to trade back a couple of times, get a fourth plus a fifth. And then I got to use those picks to, to get back up to get where I want to get with Martin. And it's, it's such an interesting way of like, it's such an aggressive way uh, of approaching sure. the draft, but he had, he had, he had specific spots that he wanted to be at. Yeah. Right. And so he was doing his best to get into those spots. And so, you know, maybe in previous, like you said, maybe in previous drafts, he looked at that physics round and he was like, I can add a lot of talent by adding these guys. Whereas in this draft, he was like, man, I got to get these guys here yep. and I, I got to get as many top 100 picks as I can get. And I'm going to have to move in order to make it work. And, you know, when you look at the totality of the, uh, the moves that they made spoiler for an article that's coming up soon is they came out on the plus side. Like they acquired sure, more, yeah. they, they acquired more capital um, by making these moves than lost. Right. Yeah. And so, it's a. It was a probably a ton of work to get there, six trades, right? But um, in the end, yeah, I think they're swift, very. Yeah. yeah, I think they're very happy with the you know the the guys that they got. And who knows? Like maybe they maybe they will get a starter on day three. Maybe uh, maybe Sorstall uh, yeah. turns into this a starter a year from now. Like that. We still don't know. It's not like that talent just went away. Like yeah. if he's still able to grab a guy, maybe, but maybe it was only like a handful of guys instead of like a, a plethora of them in, in years past. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's why I thought day two was so damn impressive because like, two trade up, two trade downs fills yeah. an immediate need at tight end, fills a long term, two long term needs at defensive back and backup quarterback, potentially franchise quarterback. And then you get a role player. With with uh, the defensive tackle with Martin, so um, I think that was that was masterclass is probably overstating it at this point, but I thought that was by far uh, the the best day that, that Brad Holmes had, and I think that's why a lot of Lions fans got right back on board after a, a polarizing day one. We'll say, uh, but let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, more of your Lions questions here as we break down the NFL draft and look forward because a lot of you want to know what's next. What's next for the Lions? And we'll get to that when we come back here on the Midweek Mailbag. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. 
It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Midweek Mailbag, taking your questions after the Lions 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, this one comes from our Twitch audience. Liam asks, what is now the plan at outside cornerback? The Lions obviously did not add one, um, but as we were talking uh, about in our break, it did seem like maybe that was in their plans if Devin Witherspoon would have been there at six. So with no outside corner added in the draft, maybe um, do, do you think there's any additions coming? Do you think they're fine with what they got? Are they in trouble at that position right now? How are you feeling about the outside corner position? Uh, my assumption is Cameron Sutton is of course going to be one of your starters. And then there's going to be a competition at the other spot between Emmanuel Mosley and Jerry Jacobs. Uh, I think that's an open competition at, at this point right now. Um, you know, Mosley's going to have to show that he's recovered from his ACL, uh, which is, a, you know, potentially an obstacle for him to overcome. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it's something that's going to necessarily keep him out long term. So I do think at some point he, in camp, he's going to be healthy enough to compete. Should be good competition between those two to, to see who ends up on the other starter spot. Whoever isn't is corner three on the outside. And then based on the fact that they added Brian Branch to the mix, you now have Garner Johnson, Brian Branch, Chase Lucas, all on the inside. I think that that squeezes Will Harris out of the nickel yep. and back into the outside mix again. Yep. Remember, Will Harris played uh, a lot of outside corner after converting from safety. He just happened to end up in the slot uh, a lot last year because there was a need there. And so he was last training camp, Will Harris was – uh, competing for an outside corner starting job. And so he's ahead of Jeff Okuda. Right. At one point, yeah, early, early in the fall. And yeah. so I think Will Harris can pretty comfortably, I think the staff will comfortably put Will Harris in that cornerback four spot. Yeah. And I think that's, they're going to be happy with that. Four outside corners uh, and then Garner Johnson, Branch, Lucas, and then you have your safeties. Like, and, and I, I think it's a it's a good secondary, an upgraded secondary from what we had last, what we saw last year. Um, long term, it's not as solidified, right? But there's nothing saying that you can't resign whoever right. wins the job, right? right? So while whether while adding a a rookie would have given you more comfortability and more stability uh, on the roster. It just means there's an extra move that you're going to have to make in the offseason. And maybe it's one of these guys, or maybe they go back into the free agent pool again and try and pull a starter from there. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, but that's, a, I mean, that's a conversation for a year from now. But right now, I, my guess is we can, we kind of know who cornerback one through four is, but that who's in those two and three spots is still kind of undetermined. Yeah. And I think, I think the long term is the concern here and maybe a little bit of the depth, right? Like, I don't think anyone would be that excited to see Will Harris out there if, if injuries, you know, 
raise their their head here at some point in, in the middle of the season. And, and guess what? It usually does. It's corner position yeah. specifically. Just so many soft to, tissue I- injuries with that position. So yeah, I, I get a little bit a little of the concern there. But you you've raised the bar of your starters considerably. You I mean the fact that you have Jerry Jacobs who was a starter for you and maybe your best starter all of last yeah. year, he is now cornerback yeah. three. So that's, I mean, it's a significantly better position than they were last year, but the long-term thing is a concern. And I think, I think if there's one thing that, that a lot of people can probably point to this draft and say, Hey, they didn't do enough of this. It is kind of the long-term planning. Like you were one of the guys who said they got to come out of day one and day two with a guard, an offensive line. Yep. They didn't. And and maybe Sorzdol is the guy down the line. Um, there, there are certainly people in the offensive line community that really like this guy. And maybe he is a starter next year, but they didn't do it right away. There isn't a clear path to what they're going to do at guard next year. So that is already on the to-do list next year. Cornerback, probably already on the to-do list next year. Now, that uh, it's not that big of a deal. Like everyone is going to have to-do lists every offseason. The Lions can get it done in free agency if they want. There are going to be options there. That's what they did this year, right? It's it's take care of as much as you can in free agency, fill everything else with the draft. So the fact that there are some long-term needs, it's okay. It's not... You know, I I like the idea of you have all this draft capital, this this past draft, use as much to plan for the future. Sure. They did a little bit of that, too. Brian Branch is a great example. Hendon Hooker is a great example. Maybe Sorzdal is a great example. Um, But at the same time, like there has to be this balance of, of getting stuff for now, getting stuff for the future. And it's not like they are out of assets after this year. Sure, they had maybe the most assets they're going to have in a while but they're going to have plenty of opportunities to continue to add to long-term needs. So I'm not freaking out about the long-term unit cornerback yet. Maybe it's a little bit disappointing that they didn't get Christian Gonzalez in the first round when, when they had a couple opportunities to grab him. But again, there's probably a reason they didn't. And there's probably a reason he fell all the way to 17. So um, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the cornerback need, even though I probably would have preferred them to address it. It's interesting because when you look at who they have under contract for 2024, yeah, there's not a lot of starter openings. There's just not. And there might, and there looks like there's potentially one at corner. Right now, there's potentially one at left guard. Right. Um, you and might have one. Uh, well, yeah, we'll yeah, right, and potentially right guard, <laughs> and potentially like a wide receiver spot. Right. But outside of that. They're not in really bad shape. You have, you're going to have at quarterback, you have Jared Goff and, and Hooker under contract. At running back, you have Montgomery and Gibbs. At receiver, you have uh, Amon Ra and Jamo. At tight end, you have Lapora and Mitchell. You have uh, three of your starting offensive linemen returning, plus you have Sorsdahl, who they think, you know, who could, we'll see where he grows, right? Um, you have Hutchinson and Kaminsky and Pascal at defensive end. James Houston is in the RFA, so you're gonna you're gonna keep him. That's a no brainer. You got Bugs, Martin, McNeil, Onzerike, all on on the interior. Um, Anzalone, Malcolm, Derek Barnes, Jack Campbell, all under contract at linebacker next year. Chase Lucas, Brian Branch on in the inside. Sutton is your only outside guy, but then at safety you've got Tracy, Kirby, and Iffy all under like. That's as balanced of a team yeah. with with minimal needs as we've seen in a couple decades, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like they may go in and be like, "Yeah, we got two spots. That's all we got. That's what we got to fill." You know what I mean? Like, right. and that's 
stability. And then if, if you only have two starting roles to fill, you're just adding guys to add layers of depth. And then you're going into the draft, hopefully in the same spot that you were in this year, which is I'm just going to add the best talent available and see where, you know, where things fall. And if they go in with just like we could see Jonah extended this offseason, they've got the capital for it. And if they do that, I mean, corner is going to be priority one. And that's I'm cool with that. Right. And then actually the only major one. Right. Because then they can play that same game that they played in this year's draft, which is like, let's upgrade some positions for this year. Let's upgrade some positions for years down the line. That's yeah. that's how you want to do it. That's how you win in the NFL. Is it's balance both those plates, the here and and the later. Um, let's uh, let's move on to uh, another one of the lines draft picks we haven't talked much about yet. Uh, Mike K at Out the Gates on Twitter uh, asks Laporta reminds me a lot of Mitchell stylistically. If you agree, are we seeing their tight end type or is it just a coincidence? Um, I do think that they look for tight ends that are balanced in what they can do mm-hmm. uh, from like they want them to be able to block. They want them to be able to pass catch, but they also want them to be able to shift in between multiple positions as well right Right. like laporta very clearly can be can line up in the slot can very clearly line up in line mitchell i think you can get a taste of him out in the slot he's better in line you can you can see both of them maybe at h back once in a while but um so i do think there's some stylistic similarities uh but then at the same time i i yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe if I the more I think about it here, they are a lot closer, you know, than maybe yeah. you think. Um, so maybe we are. Maybe maybe they want three tight ends that can just basically do everything. Just kind of like how that look look at their like their running back situation. They want running backs that can that can run in between the tackles and can pass catch, and both their guys can do that. Even though they are unique in their own aspects as well, I think you're seeing that at tight end as well. There's, there's more similarities than differences. Is, is, but I feel like Sam Laporta is kind of an athletic freak comparatively speaking. Like, obviously we didn't get to yes. see. James well, that's Mitchell's, why he went so high. Right. We didn't, and we get to, didn't get to see James Mitchell's testing because of the, the torn ACL and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I, I do think it's maybe a little bit more of a coincidence though. Right. Because I feel like they look maybe. at Sam Laporta as just kind of this unique guy who is going to be a huge offensive weapon. Huge. And and not that James Mitchell can't be, and not that I think some people are concerned. Maybe and maybe this is part. Of, this question is part of that anxiety of like, why why do we draft James Mitchell for just going to immediately upgrade him the next year? First of all, I think you like having two more guys. Second of all, I think I agree with you that I think Mitchell is going to be more in line than like I don't mm. know. If, I mean, Laporta will play some in line for sure. Like they don't want to, they want to, they don't, they want to be able to hide their intentions with him a little bit more. But it's not how he wins, right? It's not what he's great at right, right. now. Um, right. And so I think I think James Mitchell is going to be a little bit more polished of a blocker. He's he's not there yet. Laporta, I think, is a little bit further away, though. So I, I similar body types, some sk- similar s- skill sets, but I think they're kind of headed in slightly opposite directions in a way that complements each other rather than overlaps, I think. Fair. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
Uh, we talked a lot about Jared Goff and Hendon Hooker in the break. Martin Bentley on Twitter asks, how do you plan to react when Detroit fans who call for Hendon Hooker the moment Jared Goff makes a slight mistake? I'm not looking forward to hearing the story weekly now through the end of the season. Is that what we're in for, Eric? Are we in for quarterback controversies right away? I, well, I don't think right away because I don't think Hooker's going to be on the field right away. He's not right. going to be an option. Um, you know, it may be something that we get a taste of, you know, in the middle of the season, when, you know, if Hooker's brought back, you know, depending on what happens with him early. But as we were talking about uh, in, in the break, there's a good chance that he's on the pup because he's still learning the playbook. He's still recovering from his ACL. And, and uh, you know, we may not see him till mid season. And even then we may see him in a subdued role. So, you know, I, I think there's always going to be that audience, right. That, yeah. that wants the backup. Um, so I do expect to hear it, but I don't expect to be inundated with that. Uh, probably until 2024. Right. The the key to me to a good quarterback controversy is your backup quarterback just absolutely blowing the crap out of a third string team in the preseason. And we're not going to get that this year sure. with Hendon Hooker. Sure. We're probably not going to get that. It's quite it's possible, but without you know, you know go ahead. Go ahead. As I said, the other way you can get one is if you uh, sign a free agent from another division rival, and then that that writer base thinks that that quarterback is so good that he's going to be better than your current starter. Thank you, Packers and Tim Boyle. Um, yeah, no, and I, I I'm, I'm with you. I don't think this conversation is really going to strike up until 2024 at the earliest. And we also have to remember, like Jared Goff's playing some pretty good ball right now, and the Lions have only made his job easier with what they've done this offseason. So. Um, in fact, everyone in everyone outside of JMO has made his job easier, uh, going into this year. So I don't think did that you, conversation is going to poke out too, too soon. Did you, um, when Hooker was drafted, yeah, the NFL network, uh, crew mm -hmm. was talking about how good he was at Tennessee. Yeah. What his future could be like and, and like what his potential is in the NFL and they were giving him glowing reviews like they do every time a player is drafted. Sure. And then the question was asked at this time next year, when the draft is in Detroit is Hendon hooking the starting quarterback and every one of them went, Nope, Nope, no, that's no, that's, that's going to be golf. Like he did too much. Like, right. He's a good player. He's not going to be ready as quickly as I think people want him to be. Yeah. And and this is the second time I'm going to pip this out, but I had a very short conversation with Mark Schofield on the Monday Football Monday show that I am on on Mondays. Smart. smart it's currently guy. on our he's, he's a very smart guy and it's currently on our podcast feed. So it's a four minute conversation. He does believe that Hendon Hooker could potentially be that franchise guy. But again, he he said all the same things like got to be patient here, like injury coming from a, a very easy read offense in Tennessee. It's going to take some time. So. I think you can breathe easy in 2023. <laughs> it's not going to be too much quarterback controversy. It might be on the other end of 2024, but don't worry about that yet. We might Mark's not. A, uh, Mark's a smart guy. He uh, he breaks, he's a former quarterback, and he breaks down, um, 
he breaks down quarterbacks as well as anyone in the draft community. So I trust a lot of what Mark says. He also wrote, penned an awesome article about uh, his fit with the Lions in particular. So head over to SB Nation, just search Mark Schofield, SB Nation, Detroit Lions, Hendon Hooker. I also I also put it in the Hendon Hooker category in our encompassing article that covers all of our draft coverage. I'd link to it in that as well. There you go. Covering all our bases here. All right, let's close things out with a very optimistic question here that I am very eager to talk about from David L on Twitter. David L-U-P-0-6 says, is there a position group on this roster that is not better both at starter level and depth than the roster at the end of last year? Oh, wow. I should have prepared for this one. Um, well, let's run through. Is, Qu- quarterback it, is is either the same or better because of head and hooker. Yeah, I think you can say better because you're going to get him at some point, right? right. Running I back is, the, is definitely an upgrade. We don't even need to talk about that one. Tight okay. end is an upgrade yeah. because we're talking po- like TJ Hawkinson is not part of this conversation. Uh, wide receiver, this is the tricky one. Yeah, maybe I would say not. they are not better at wide receiver because you're you're swapping Chark for Marvin and you're and losing Jamo technically for the first six weeks. So, I mean, but look how much of an impact was Jamo really on the field last season. Anyways, not a huge impact. Sure. Um, but you going from, from yeah, Chark to Marvin is probably a downgrade and you have to wait on Jamo. So yeah, they're maybe not quite as good. They're not bad. That yeah. was one of, that was one of their deepest positions, right. but Plus Antoine Green, baby. Oh, well, let's see where he goes. <laughs> um, all right. Tackle, same. Yeah, I mean, Not uh, Obi, you're hoping Obi's uh, improved. So, sure. I mean, if anything, it's probably level, maybe a tick if Obi is made taking another step. Yeah, guard, better. With yeah, because you got yeah, Vitae and, and healthy is Vitae. healthy and Graham, right? That's that's a big upgrade. <clears throat> Defensive tackle. Upgrade. Well, you miss. What about center? A center. Center's better too because I think Graham's better than Evan Brown. Sure. So go ahead. <laughs> uh, defensive tackle upgrade just by. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. You're let's hope that they're maybe a minuscule chance that Levi plays this year. Oof. oof. Yeah. Let's <laughs> hope. Uh, edge. Edge is an interesting con- conversation because I feel like there are a lot of people that thought the Lions should have addressed Edge. They needed to address yeah. Edge, and listen, they no, could have. It's it's a long term need, but but like I think it's also fair to say they're in a pretty good position here in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three, whatever year it is. Here, here's the thing: Charles Harris finished the season on IR. Julian yeah. Aquara ended the season on IR. Romeo missed the first half of the season because of his Achilles. Like, so now all three of those guys Kaminsky are healthy. Missed a bunch of time too. Yeah, with his jacked up hand where he wore yeah. a cast all year. Yeah, take the cast off Kaminsky. So from a health standpoint, they should be upgraded. Sure. But health even though it's a, it's still the same players. And, but I mean, like, you don't have that. Yes, that prop some of them's probably going to get healthy. But last year you were going into this at this stage, you didn't even have Romeo healthy. Now you do. Yeah. And and if we're looking at end of the season roster. They didn't have Julian. They didn't have Harris. And now you're going to get both those both those guys back. So it's strange that even though you didn't add a player, you may actually be better. Right. Linebacker, obviously you had a first round pick. You're better. Uh, maybe a little bit worse on the depth, although pushing everyone down a little bit helps. But you did yeah. lose a couple of key added, depth added Reeves Maben. You though. did too. Yeah. So and maybe, maybe depth very, is a push there. 
Yeah, I'm very interested in the UDFAs. I think both of them are really going to be sleeper guys. Corner, we don't even have to have the conversation. Way upgraded. And then safety, um, healthy Tracy? I'm saying upgrade because, yeah, healthy Tracy, but you also have two slot nickels that are going to that are capable of playing safety as well. So, like, you you've you've upgraded your depth position. So, yeah, receiver like and and, 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 that's it. And the crazy thing is, is. When JMO is back and fully healthy and you're talking and you look at a fully healthy JMO plus Marvin, is that better than Chark? Maybe, yeah, probably. So and so, so I you, and and it's the we're saying we, receiver is down except until week seven, right? And remember, we are <laughs> right now comparing this to a team that finished eight and two. We were talking about the yeah. team that, like yeah. the end of that, and and we didn't even mention things like you know year two progression, right? Like Deshaun Elliott being in year two, or not Deshaun Elliott, uh, Kirby Joseph being in year two, <laughs> uh, could be and now. Trajectory Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson, year two, James Houston, you, Malcolm Rodriguez. Two, right. They say year two is the biggest jump. It doesn't always happen for everybody's, but considering they had such a good rookie class, maybe they even get better just by getting a year older and and, and, and now having a full off season to, to prepare for the NFL. Um, so yeah, like it's kind of crazy to look at this team that before we even went into the off season, we're feeling like this team could compete for the division. This offseason, they upgrade almost across the damn board at every single position. And you're like, all right, let's go. We're locked in. This this division is for the taking. Is this conference for the taking? Ooh. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. And with that, how, how, oh, you well, got one more. Fit one more. I'm just saying, how many, how, many, how many NFC teams scare you right now? 49ers always scare me a little bit because I think they're a well-coached team. I'm with you. You have to add Philly into that. Philly for sure. Right. I do think I do think they're in for a little regression, but they they had a good offseason. Still good. Still a good team. Dallas is still maybe the most talented roster, but they have a lot of other issues that draw them down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think I might Anybody be done. Anybody else? Though. I think I might be yeah. done. Like end of list. You can maybe put the Giants into that conversation, but I don't think they're there yet. The lines whooped them well, last year. Yeah, let's put it this way. If you look at See Vegas office. and you look See at the projection, yeah, come on, a little bit. Uh, if you, come you got on. your guy, uh, <laughs> no, he's not. A, he can't. He can't fix it by himself. Um, <laughs> when you look at like the mock drafts, yeah, the lines were all picking in those late twenties. Why? <laughs> because they're projected to not just Vegas. be a first yeah. play, not just be a Vegas a, a, a playoff team, but they're projected to win a playoff game. Yeah. All right. We better end this show before my heart. I can't take it. I, <laughs> I don't know. I people, love it it when you, people love when you go on these little rants. <laughs> you're, you're on the edge of doing another one here, but I'll, I'll let you off the hook here. We will end things here. Uh, as always, if you want to be part of these conversations, we do a lot of stuff off air. Join us live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit every Wednesday afternoon, 1230 PM. But until next time for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thanks you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>